Looks like some kind of insect. A bee. Bees, Scotty. Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Do you have any idea what those bees can do? The honeybee is vital to the environment. Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Welcome to Killer Bees. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. No, this is a podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Story Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. And we are part of the Movie John Podcast Network on moviejohn.com. That's J-A-W-N. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider. Our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And today we are kicking off... A big old two-parter on one of my faves, David Warner. Yeah, uh, someone I didn't like realize was one of my faves until we like I think got into this. He which kept was popping kind of up cool. and stuff. We were watching. He was yeah. one of those. We were like, got to like the third or fourth time we were watching something, and we were like, there he is again, David yeah, Warner. It's like that's that's our dude. Yeah, yep. and when you you actually picked him, I had given you like a couple different options, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like I'm I'm excited that like you're excited about him, and then. It's been a very fun journey. It's because, I mean, we will get to it, but because of his role in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, he has been, you know, an actor in my life since my childhood. Mm -hmm. And I think probably because of his role in that, whenever he pops up in other things, I'm like, ah, that guy. That guy. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I was excited to actually, like, uh, discover him as an actor and not just think of him as that guy. That guy. Yeah, uh, so we're going to, for this first part, talk about his career uh, up through the 80s. Uh, in the meantime, however, are there any movies you would like to talk about that we watched? Goodness. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I've watched a lot of stuff in recent weeks. It's been a little while since we've recorded in the our timeline here. Well, I know I rewatched it, but you had watched it for the first time. What's that? House of Wax. Oh, yeah. The uh, 2005 remake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, had not seen that before. Uh, It was okay. Oh, that movie's so fun. I feel like people uh, are really into this movie uh, as of recently. And so I was maybe, maybe my expectations were a little too elevated uh, going Mm. into it. I like when I like the kids in these movies. And this is from the era when the kids were just like totally hateable in these movies. Like every character is just like a character that sucks. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, it was it was the all of the actual like kills and the waxiness of it was great. There's some good gross wax. Yeah. Like yeah. all that stuff. Was I mean, the great. whole wax museum being made of wax, yes. like, is fucking wild. Like yeah, that yeah. whole third act is like really really crazy. Totally agree. There's like yeah. there is good stuff in this movie, but I think I I guess. Because of what I had been hearing about it, I was like, all right, I'm ready to discover this like hidden gem from the mid to that. And I didn't really feel that way by the end of it. Darn. Yeah. Mostly because I didn't like the kids. And that's just a thing that happens in these, in the movies of like the early 2000s. Just like, I thought it was, the kids are hateable. I thought it was funny just because I remember like 
trying to figure out like, oh, it's got Jared Padalecki and Chad Michael Murray. Right. And but then like Jared Padalecki, spoiler alert, like dies like 20 minutes into the movie. And I was like, oh, so I guess we know who the bigger heartthrob at the time was because right. uh, I know Padalecki from Gilmore Girls. So I'm definitely more into him. I did not watch One Tree Hill. Also, I think Chad Michael Murray has a terrible haircut in this movie. So I think it's really weird that uh, people were so into him in the 2000s. But yeah, I mean, it, that was just his haircut, right? Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah, he just had like one of those that like short kind of like, like I don't know, like yeah. military cuts kind of. But now that I think about it, I feel like I remember a lot of guys in high school trying to do that same look. And yeah, I'm like, sure. oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think there was some of that going on at that time. Yeah, yeah. a lot of like wife beaters and like <laughs> chain necklaces yes. and shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I didn't like dislike this movie or anything, yeah. but I, I was a little underwhelmed, I would say. I like uh, I don't know because I watched a ton of stuff. I watched. Did I tell you I watched Inner Space? Yes, is like a Joe Dante movie where Martin Short gets uh, Dennis Quaid injected into his body. Yeah, you did tell me that. It was pretty great. I liked it a bunch. Like very that fun. Very crazy. It was kind of like if What About Bob was a science fiction movie because like Martin Short plays like this very meek, mild mannered mm. man who gets like a rootin' tootin' cowboy injected into his body and then in order to sort of solve the mystery of what happened mm -hmm. needs to like sort of become the man that's inside of him or whatever yeah. in order to like get things done. Uh, pretty, pretty fun and funny. And like, I think they, I counted they, uh, there are eight shots in the movie that they are actually in together because otherwise, uh, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. they're like doing this whole like weird special effect thing between the two of yeah, them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, which is kind of funny to me yeah i liked interspace it was cool um we also as of recording right now um we celebrated thanksgiving last week and oh, yeah. we made sure to watch our favorite thanksgiving movie which is blood rage, blood rage. yeah um i saw this movie at um exhumes horrorathon a couple years ago and like remember it just being totally wild and crazy and i was really excited to introduce it to you and you and i were working on that uh long halloween piece where we recommended uh horror films for like mm -hmm. all the months of the year um and so i was excited to to watch that with you and then oh man even watching it a year later i'm like oh yes this is perfection every time i liked it even more on a rewatch i think so too uh, yeah it was like funnier to me and like yeah i felt like it it all seemed more aware of itself on mm -hmm. a second viewing than I think I, I thought it was on a, yeah. on a first viewing. I really, it just, it's so fun and crazy. Yeah. And I forgot how actually brutal it is. Because by the time you get oh, to the yeah. end of it, it's like, it's so wild and weird. You sort of just remember it as like wild and weird. Yep. I did not remember it as like, like truly gruesome in a lot of ways. It also has just this like super weird, dramatic, like family shit going on in the plot that's like really dark and funny. Like the yes. the stuff with the mom is yes. fucking wild. All thirty seven of her phone calls. Oh my god, there's so, the so many scenes of her just like being aggressive on the phone to people. Yeah. And you're like, why won't you leave your apartment? Yeah, you just yeah. like go outside. She's just like having a breakdown via the phone. It's hilarious. Uh, I think we also told people we were going to keep them uh, abreast of our journey through uh, Ringyu and Juon. Yeah. Uh, and we did pick up on Juon the Grudge too. Yes. So, yeah, we really liked the first one. And then, yeah, we watched The Grudge 2 
which I keep calling baby grudge. Yes. Because uh, uh, the woman does kind of give birth to a grudge. She makes a grudge baby. She makes a grudge baby. Yeah. It's uh, thoroughly insane. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I maybe didn't like this quite as much as the first one, but mm-hmm. maybe only in as much as uh, this is just, it's playing the hits. It's yeah. like it's doing it again, but it, yeah. it's fun to watch it happen again. I felt like it, like, I feel like the first one hits a spot where I'm like, what the fuck is going on? There's that, like, weird time jump and stuff. And so I feel like that was, like, a little disorienting. And so this one felt a little bit more cohesive with it following this, like, one character. It still does, like, the vignette thing of, like, other people being involved. But it felt like it was more tied to this other character. Um, So I think that worked for me a little bit more. I like that the format of these is that it's, like, a spider web. It's, like, this one event creates, like, all of these other events, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, this one, I think maybe had some more interesting, like almost like set pieces, you know, like some bigger ideas for set pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I think maybe the first one, just like the, the mysteriousness of it, you yeah. know, uh, got me a little more, but I still really liked this. I'm, yeah. I can't wait to watch more of these cause they're super fun. Yeah, I agree. But super into the grudge. Uh, I don't know. I think we could probably yeah. move into to well, let's David. go. Yeah, let's do it. Um, cool. So we are talking about David Warner, who has two hundred and twenty six acting credits, according to IMDb. Good gravy. And I have just a funny, silly quote here that I found where he just says, "I know that some actors take acting terribly seriously." Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I think I, I think uh, he is one of those actors that you can tell is not taking or like knows when and when not to take things seriously. Yeah. And sometimes is at his best when he's giving it his serious all knowing yeah. that that is actually like the funnier way yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. But he's always like giving like a hundred percent, which I really appreciate. Um, so David Warner was born uh, July 29th, 1941 in Manchester, England. Um, his father changed jobs frequently and he typically like moved from town to town. Um, so he, David attended eight different schools uh, when he was a kid um, and said he failed his exams at all of them. <laughs> It's interesting how many of these actors, uh, their history is like, yeah, I just like I, I couldn't really get through school. Yeah. Um, he had a series of odd jobs and was eventually accepted into the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, uh, which apparently he was very unhappy at. Uh, didn't like find any information as to why that was, um, but I find that interesting. Um he eventually became a member of the Royal Shakespeare Company um, and got the role of Bill Bill Phil in the adventure comedy Tom Jones. Okay, um, which is one of his like first acting credits. Um, he made his professional stage debut in 1962, uh, doing a Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, he also did he did a lot of Shakespeare, so he did much ado about nothing. Um, but he also acted in The Tempest and Julius Caesar. That totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about that. We're watching some of his movies. That he's definitely got the. He feels like he has classical yeah. acting training. Well, that's one of the things I find interesting because, like, he's not really a hammer guy, right? And he feels like he should be a hammer guy because he, he's got like that same vibe as like the Lees and the uh, the Cushings. Yeah, that's what I was just dancing around. Basically, is yeah. that like you can tell he's like if he's not a Shakespearean actor, he's a hammer actor. Like he, that's what he feels like most to us is like a hammer actor. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, he he has a quote just like saying, academically, I was hopeless, and athletically, I was hopeless. (laughs) He says, in my Wikipedia entry, it says I had a messy childhood, and that's true, but I sort of drifted into the odd school play, and that was one of the things I kind of felt that I had some enthusiasm for. So I was sort of interested, but never thought I'd ever become a professional actor or anything. Um, I joined an amateur company when I was a teenager in England, and they wouldn't let me go on stage in the beginning. Uh, They just let me paint scenery and stuff like that uh, but then I did some amateur theater work and decided to try and apply for the uh, Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts um, and he got in uh, which is cool yeah it is cool uh, and then uh, he was he some of his the students he was with he was worked with John Hurt uh, at the school uh, as well as Ian McShane okay that's uh, two cool people so that they're like, like his peers I guess yeah and yeah Hurt he also eventually is in a movie with I don't think they share screen time but Oh, At that's least right. in that yes. one movie we watched. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, his uh, on-screen roles start in the 60s. Um, in 1962, he had an uncredited role in We Join the Navy, which is a comedy, and then was in uh, Tom Jones, uh, 1963, starring Albert Finney. Okay. Um, and then in 66, he was in a movie called Morgan, with an exclamation point. Yes, yeah, so you got to say it like that, for uh, sure. Starring alongside Vanessa Redgrave, who oh, cool. we really like. Um, and that's about um, after his wife leaves him for his former best friend, a failed London artist begins his descent into madness and trying to win her back. Okay. Um, in 67, um, he was in The Deadly Affair, which is based on a John Le Carre novel. Is that um, the spy who came in from the cold, that guy? Yeah, right? okay. yeah, and Tinker Taylor. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, 1968, uh, he was in The Beaufort's Gun, starring uh, Ian Holmes. Cool. Um, and then he was in Work is a Four-Letter Word. <laughs> okay. And the... It's a very funny uh, description from IMDb. A future man works nights in a factory whose power he needs to grow big, symbolic, psychedelic mushrooms. Okay. Yep. Okay, in a factory whose power he needs to grow big, symbolic, psychedelic mushrooms. That sounds great. Yeah, it sounds pretty weird. He's a future man. We should have watched that, probably. David the future man. The future man. Yeah, yeah, we should have watched that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Got to add that to the list. Yeah. Um, he was then in The Seagull, a drama romance with Vanessa Redgrave again. Okay. And then did A Midsummer Night's Dream with Diana Rigg and Helen Mirren. Oh, sweet. I, okay. Yeah. Ooh, Diana Rigg we got into recently, too. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, he, he's worked with a lot of interesting actors. Um, yeah. Like, and it's a lot of these, like, interesting, like, British actors, too, um, that, like, kind of were in the same circles. Um, for TV, he was also in the se- for TV in the seventies. He was also in that NBC experiments in television we talked about, oh. uh, which is that like NBC attempt at Twilight, like Zone, Twilight Zone, which yeah. I had never heard of before no. we talked about it like a few episodes ago. It's so funny that that's what it's called. I know. Um, in 1970, he was in Perfect Friday, which is a crime film. Okay. And then in 1971, he was in Sam Peckinpah's uh, Straw Dogs. I've, have you ever seen Straw Dogs? I, I never have. I have not, and I'm conflicted if I actually want to see it or not, because it feels like one of those rape revenge movies that wouldn't work for me. Yeah. Um, Alexandra Heller Nicholas mm-hmm. uh, wrote a, a fair amount about it in her rape revenge book, um, and just like... Her explaining it, I was like, yeah, this like seems like when rape revenge gets like problematic to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because it's like a a husband whose like wife is raped and he's like her property, so he needs to avenge her. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, but like I, you know, I feel like I probably should watch it at some point. Uh, yeah, I've never seen it, and I, you know, I think it definitely seems like something that I would be into. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious about it. Um, he, yeah, his role was uncredited, uh, mm. which I thought was interesting. Um, he had a limp in the movie, apparently, which was real. He had smashed both of his heels in a fall sometime before filming began, and was a long time before he could walk normally again. Probably tried to do some fucking jumping jacks. You yeah. Know? Uh, but then it says here that in a 2017 interview, he clarified what was going on and said that that was unrelated to him getting the um, uncredited role. Um, his agent wanted him to have above the title billing with Dustin Hoffman <laughs> and Susan George Hoffman. And George's agent refused. Uh, and he decided to resolve the quarrel by going uncredited, <laughs> which is very hilarious to Incredible. me. Incredible. Uh, he was then in a movie called Desire, First Sex Experience, which there's little to no information on IMDb about it, but it looks like it's a Japanese erotica. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, All right, David, I don't know what you were doing, but I'm into sure, it. Sure, man. Uh, in 1973, he was in A Doll's House starring Jane Fonda. Uh, Nora Helmer, years earlier, committed a forgery in order to save the life of her authoritarian husband uh now she is being blackmailed and lives in fear of her husband finding out and the shame of the revelation it would bring to her career sounds kind of interesting i feel like when when we're talking about so-and-so committed a forgery we're talking about maybe some some period drama that i, I may not be into mm, i got you uh, and then in 1974, he was in From Beyond the Grave, a horror anthology with Peter Cushing and Donald Pleasance. Hell yeah. Uh, which I wanted to see, but it was not available. Yeah, we anywhere. couldn't find this one. Yeah. yeah. We, the idea of Peter Cushing and him together is just, uh, we really wanted it. Wanted to see it. Yeah. Uh, he's then in Little Malcolm and His Struggle Against the Eunuchs, starring John Hurt. Okay. <laughs> um, an art student is thrown out of college, depressed. He comes up with the party of dynamic erection a near fascist party that promotes male sexual dominance and which attracts a couple of other unsavory confused characters that sounds very bizarre very bizarre and yeah i guess he's worked oh, with, with john hurt, hurt yeah. a couple times a couple of times yeah, yeah. Uh, and then in 1976 he was in uh the omen uh which we have watched was that your first time watching it when no we... i had okay. seen the omen a long time ago. i actually saw all four of them or three of them, four of them, three of them. Four. In the original series, there were three. Am I right about that? And there's a remake that is the fourth. Oh, maybe that's it. But there's, there's almost like a girl. Oh, right. There, right. There is. An yeah, because the third one is Damien yeah. is an adult right. played by uh. Yeah, Sam Neill. Sam Neill. Yeah, yeah. I watched them all on like a TV marathon when I was a kid. They were like on USA one afternoon. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, like uh, I rewatched. I think all of them again. Uh, recently, like earlier this year yeah for your uh for i like to movie movie yeah mm -hmm. um and uh yeah i mean the first one is so cool because it's like a richard donner movie and so it's like it's a horror movie but it's like an action movie it's like all these like big yeah. set pieces and stuff yeah there's that scene uh with uh gregory peck in like the cemetery yeah. that i feel like i i remember really vividly now yeah and it just being like a really wild set piece with like the the dog and everything yes, yes. yeah it's it really is like a string of like pretty big set pieces that yeah. almost makes it feel like you're watching like an action movie but it is like a you know a possessed child yeah. movie basically uh and david warner plays this like posh photographer that uh, yeah. is like i guess what is he like oh 
he's like a newspaper photographer or something but the pictures he's taking keep revealing like who the next victim might be through like yeah there's like clues as to what's going on in the pictures and so he's kind of like trying to get like Gregory Peck on board with what's going on and then they like kind of team up by the end of it to like you know do something about Damien right. which is essentially like kill Damien right which is stab him with seven knives from yeah. some weird like sect of uh, old Christianity which is funny because like when I we look at his filmography I'm pretty sure I know Warner from like his later work mm-hmm. and so watching this I remember being like this like real young guy looks kind of familiar and it's because i'm like oh he's like in like xyz movies which we'll talk about but he's like got that like 70s like billowing like flowy hair and he's like got the bell bottoms and everything it's like a very fun good look for him yeah 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 i like him in this movie yeah he he works really well um in 1977 he was in cross of iron a war film uh also by sam peckinpah okay Um, and then he was in Silver Bears, starring Michael Caine. Hell yeah. And he was also in The Disappearance, starring Do- Donald Sutherland, which we also watched. Yeah, because we really like Donald Sutherland yeah. in this household. He's like become a recent favorite He's great. as well. Uh, I find him like weirdly attractive. Um, Ooh, and he had like a really good haircut in this movie, he too. He also had some really good outfits in this movie. Yeah. He yeah. was he wearing was a styled lot of like three-piece well. suits and stuff. Yeah. Which looked really good. Yeah, 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 and he's like, you know, kind of, he's like a hot, like, assassin. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, and we found this on YouTube, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and it was like a, a kind of grainy quality, but, you know, it's like cool that it's available. Yeah. Um, and it's essentially like this guy is like an assassin. Yep. And at around the same time that he's like trying to be convinced to work this job, his wife leaves him. Yes. And then it's kind of revealed that like those two things are somewhat connected. Yeah. Or um, he starts to think that they may be connected. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Um, and then Warner plays like his handler who's yeah. like only kind of in like the first half of right. the movie, uh, but is really fun. And I feel like they act against each other really well. He Warner's like kind of funny in this movie. He's yeah. got this like off the cuff sarcasm that he brings to this yeah. role. That creates like a really interesting kind of like dynamic with Sutherland. Yeah, because he's like, hey, I'm here because you like need to let me know if you're going to kill this guy or not. And he's like, Ugh, my wife left me. I'm depressed. And yeah. he's like, okay, but like. He's like, great, but are you going to yeah. kill this dude or what's up, bro? Yeah, he's like, oh man. And uh... they both like in one scene each deliver really funny lines. <laughs> yeah. Warner's like, like, can I sit here? And he's just like, Donald Sutherland's like, no. Yeah. And he's just like, oh. Okay. Oh, it, Sutherland says, like, hey, don't sit there. And he goes, what, is it broken or something? Oh, yeah, is it broken or something? And then, uh, he, you know, Sutherland is depressed because his wife left him. And he just says, something stupid happened. <laughs> yeah, Which yeah. is the funniest line is to come so out of, good. like, an adult man seriously. Yeah, like, yeah. Something stupid happened. And this was pretty good. It's, like, kind of a noir thriller. And, um... Yeah, it's, like, got some interesting twists and turns. Christopher Plummer is also in it, yes. who we really love. Yep. It's also interesting because it's got this stacked cast, John yeah. Hurt's in it, but they're all in it for, like, Very a scene, yeah. except for Sutherland, right. and um, I don't know the woman who plays his wife in it. Right, um, right. But, yeah, they, like, have the most screen time. Yeah. This is one that I would like to see, like, a better print of and see if it, like, improves the movie for me being able to, like, really like see what they were doing like uh cinematography wise yeah because yeah we did watch like a pretty grainy uh crappy copy it'll happen because every time we talk about a movie on this podcast i swear to god announces that they're putting it out in 4k it's wild yeah but i'm Uh, into it yeah i because i thought this was pretty good it's it it, and especially 
it's got a really interesting ending i thought that mm-hmm. um kind of like elevated it a little bit yeah i agree um then in 1979, he was in a movie called Nightwing about killer bats who plague an Indian reservation in New Mexico. I mean, what could that be? Like, what role does David Warner play in that movie? Because like, one of the funny things about David Warner is he's got this like very distinctly sort of like Shakespearean British presentation. Yeah. And so when you read certain descriptions where you're like, yeah, it's about bats on an Indian reservation in New Mexico. It's like. How the fuck does David Warner fit into that movie? But he finds a way. And, like, he's usually one of the top-billed people, which is wild. Um, This is one I would love to watch. Uh, It is also available on YouTube, um, from what I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's then in The Conquered, dot, 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 Airport 79. These goddamn airport movies. Everybody's in them. we got to watch these. We need to do... What we'll have to do eventually is a special episode that is just us watching all of the airport movies. This one sounds crazy. So this is the description. A supersonic airborne disaster. Uh In order to survive a flight headed for the Moscow Olympics, passengers of the Concorde must endure aerial acrobatics to dodge missiles and survive a device that decompresses the plane. Hell yeah. What the fuck? You know, the, the, the this is like so the fourth or fifth airplane movie or airport movie, I think. So they gotta they gotta amp it up. Yeah, I with, guess with a Concord. I guess so. Uh and then he's in the movie Time After Time, uh, yeah. which we also watched, and it's uh him and Malcolm McDowell. Yes. Uh and this is a wild premise. I forget where we watched it, but it is available somewhere. Yeah. Uh so David Warner plays Jack the Ripper, yep. and Malcolm McDowell plays H.G. Uh, Wells, yes. and they are friends in this yes. universe, uh, and H.G. Wells has just invented a time machine. H- in the world of this movie, H.G. Wells is the character from his story yeah. in the time machine. Um, and so... Once Jack the Ripper realizes he's about to get caught, he steals the time machine and goes to the 1970s yep. to hide out and like commit more crimes. Yep. Um, and and so then you know H.G. Wells has to basically become a, a time detective. Yeah. And make his way to the 70s and try and suss out yeah. like where and and then they and as it was going on, I was like, wait, okay. But so is the idea now that like this is where we get things like the Zodiac is that Jack yeah. the Ripper and then the movie directly addresses that like brings up the Zodiac and some other killers in relation to Jack the Ripper this yeah. idea that like it could just be this one evil man making his way across time like yeah uh, it's it, it's a really interesting movie that also takes this weird turn where it becomes a love story yes. between H.G. Wells and like a modern seventies woman yes. uh, which is very funny because she like has a job and wants to maintain her independence and like he supposedly was like you know pretty open-minded for the time and right. so it's like she's kind of like taking him toe-to-toe with some of his ideas he's like i wrote a paper on free love and she goes <laughs> yeah. oh yeah i read about that in school and he's just like oh okay <laughs> yeah. um but i i think Malcolm McDowell and Warner have like a really good chemistry yeah, in this movie. Um, there's that like hotel room scene that I really liked where one, I was like, damn Warner, like you can wear a suit. Uh-huh. Uh, but two, he's so tall and I did not realize he's it until that scene. Tall. He towers over Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. It's just something I n- have never noticed before. I know. I, I had the same thought as we were watching more of his movies where I was like watching him next to different actors and go like, Jesus, this guy's like huge. Yeah. He's got to be like 6'2", 3", something like that. He's like really, really tall. Yeah. Um, yeah, the craziest thing about this movie is that 
this movie with the premise of H.G. Wells having to chase Jack the Ripper across time in order to stop him from committing more murders mm-hmm. is mostly a romance. Yeah. The, it is so wild to me as we were watching more of this movie. I was like, for real, this is like what yeah. the movie's about? It is like mostly about this romance between H.G. Wells and this woman. But like it's... Yeah, it's weird. I enjoyed it a lot. Me too. Um, I also think it's like really well written uh-huh. and well done. Like it's acted great. There's really good effects. Like I'm surprised I like hadn't heard more about this movie, yeah, yeah. especially since it has like the most insane premise yes. I think I've ever heard. Um, but yeah, like there's just a lot to enjoy about this movie, and they yeah. were really good at like coming back to certain things, like ideas or like giving you like visuals cues as to like stuff that was going to come up later in the movie, which I always love. That makes Mm -hmm. it feel like something's like really well-rounded. Yeah. yeah. And so I just, I felt like I had a very satisfying time watching this movie. Yeah, me too. I I liked this one quite a bit. And like Uh, you said, it's just like the premise itself is so crazy. It's, it's great. He uh, had this quote about like him getting the role, which I thought was funny. He goes, anyway, Nick and Herb come to me in Los Angeles to say, listen, we'd love you to play Stevenson, Jack the Ripper, but the studio are going to want McJagger, but we're going to fight for you. And I said, well, thank you. Let me know. And somehow they won the fight and I got to play it and McJagger didn't, but he got into the knighthood, you see. <laughs> and that's okay. like his quote. He's like, well, he got knighted. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, and then uh, his last role in the 70s here I have is um, SOS Titanic, which is a TV movie about the Titanic, uh, starring Cloris Leachman, All right. um, which he's also later in Titanic, which is just very interesting. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Um, and then we get to his roles in the 80s. Um, so in 1980, he was in The Island, which was written by uh, Peter Benchley, who also wrote uh, Jaws. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and it stars Michael Caine. Um, a journalist takes his son with him to investigate pirate activity off the coast of Florida, but he gets stranded on a mysterious island where he might not be alone. Uh, friends of ours were watching this on like Tubi or something recently. Oh, really? And they texted me to be like, okay, the they were like 20 minutes in and they were like, this movie is awesome. Oh, cool. And then they texted me later and they're like, okay, it's not that awesome, but it has like a really strong opening that is very exciting oh, and interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, in 1981, he was in Terry Gilliam's Time Bandits. I've always wanted to see this movie. Which, this is also pretty available. Um, we almost watched this movie. Yeah. Um, he, uh, oh, he, I had this note here that uh, Warner has vertigo and was doubled in Time Bandits huh. in the scene where Evil Genius walks up the steps after caging the bandits because he could not handle the drop below him. Huh. Oh, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I had like a, a benign case of vertigo once that was real rough. So uh, that, that sucks. Yeah. Um, he was then in The French Lieutenant's Woman, starring Jeremy Irons and Meryl Streep. Okay. And then in 1982, he was in the original Tron. Hell yeah. Uh, starring Jeff Bridges. Finally watched Tron. I went to see the sequel on the big screen, having I don't think ever seen this movie. This movie used yeah. to be on the Disney Channel when I was growing up yeah. a lot. So I think I saw pieces of it on TV. Like I have memories of it, but I never yeah. really watched it. I've seen the, the new one like a couple times, yeah. and I had never seen this one. And it was honestly crazier than i had imagined like Me as too. far as the visuals go yep. like it actually took my eyes a while to adjust once you're like inside the computer or whatever yeah. um just because what they're what they're doing is like really weird there are so many layers of 
special effects in yes. this movie. Yeah. Where I think they're like straight up drawing on the screen. They're yeah. like they're doing all kinds of stuff and it looks awesome actually. I fucking loved the way this movie looked. Yeah. It looked really, really cool. It's really fun. Um I'm I feel like all I'm doing is talking about how hot people are in movies <laughs> we watched, but Jeff Bridges yeah. is like fucking hot but also just like adorable in this movie um he just seems like he's having a fucking blast every time he's on screen he really does it's like he's he's playing a very kind of just like as crazy things happen around him he just smiles at them and is like all right what are we doing now like yep he's like whoa dude like it seems like he just like came on set and like they were like here's some like things for you to play with and he's like cool (laughs) like when he's in that ship that he's flying on his own for a while (laughs) yeah it's really goofy. It is. And it's like the whole movie is very silly. The performances in it range from like great to weird to bad to like, because I don't think anybody knew what they were doing. You know what I mean? It seems like a movie where you probably yeah. didn't really understand what you were making. And uh, Warner, this is like, to me, where we start getting a picture of like the kind of character that Warner really becomes known for in his career yeah where he's just really good at being these kind of like villainous authoritarian characters yeah um yeah because he plays what's his role ed dillinger is his role in this um but then yeah he like everyone has like other characters they're playing right because i think he is like two other characters Well, he's like a program in the the Tron world as yeah. well as the the guy outside of it. Or but then I think he also voices like the, whatever they call it, like the master computer oh, or whatever. Sure. Yeah, the master um, controller. Is that what Yeah, so he's like three levels of yeah, villains, yeah. Um, which is funny because that means he's like acting against himself and like yeah. being villainous against himself, like in a few different ways, uh, which he's like perfect for. Yes. Like this, you're right. Like this, he's really good at just being these like, these bad guys yeah um, he's got that great i mean that shakespearean delivery and that british accent always makes for like very good yeah villainry absolutely yeah um in 1983 he does the man with two brains starring steve martin and kathleen turner i've never seen this i've always wanted to i had never heard of it before uh, yeah, the premise is a brain surgeon marries a femme fatale, causing his life to turn upside down. Uh, things go uh, wary when he falls in love with a talking brain. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, okay. Um, in 1984, he is in The Company of Wolves, a comedy horror starring Angela Lansbury. Um, about a teen girl in a country manor who falls asleep while reading a magazine and has disturbing dreams involving wolves prowling the woods below her bedroom window. Weird. Yeah, it sounds kind of cool. Uh, he then does a TV movie version of The Christmas Carol uh, in which he plays Bob Cratchit. Oh. So playing very, like, opposite uh, yeah. these, like, villainous characters. He plays, like, you know, one of the kindest characters. I kind of would like to see that just to see him play a character like that. Yeah, me too. Um, and then he does a TV movie version of Frankenstein where he plays the creature um, that also stars Carrie Fisher. Okay, all of that is wild to me. Yes, I would also love to watch this and this is also available on youtube knowing how tall he is it makes sense to me actually that he'd be a good creature yes but what uh, with carrie yeah that's so weird it's a weird combination of people also i'm pretty sure when i saw the like picture of this the makeup looks really strange oh really yeah uh but i would still be very interested in seeing it okay um in 1985 he was in Hitler's SS, Portrait and Evil, a okay. TV movie with uh, Bill Nye. Okay. 
who I also love. Yeah, me too. Um, in 1987, he does the TV movie Desperado uh, with Yafit Koto. Man, he just does a block of TV movies right here I in know. the middle of the 80s. And then he does, my best friend is a vampire. <laughs> After a sexual encounter with a beautiful client, a teenage delivery boy finds himself being turned into a vampire. Sounds very similar to Vampire's Kiss, the Nick Cage movie. And also, uh, isn't the other one with, um, oh crap, Jim Carrey? You know, I never saw that one. What is that called Love Bites or something I like that? I think so, which I think also, it's like all of these movies about like, guys and their first or like early sexual experiences yeah. with vampires which is just like a weird block of, yeah. of vampire movies um he uh then does hansel and gretel uh with cloris leachman who plays the witch which i really love um, and in 1988, he does the movie uh, Waxwork, uh, yeah. which you had seen before, but we rewatched because I really wanted to see it. Yeah. Uh, and this movie is very weird. It's fucking wild. Uh, it was much weirder than I ever expected. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he, this again is like perfect Warner roles where he just gets to like be this like villain wearing, you know, like good smoking jackets yeah. and like being like hilarious and dry. It like it, is very good. That's what's cool about this one is like it's a very arch character that he plays, right? Yes. So it's like he's good at playing villains, but in this one it gets to be like the movie knows it's being ridiculous and yeah. obnoxious and funny. So all of the performances are kind of ridiculous, obnoxious yeah. and funny. And so, yeah, he gets to be very arch as a villain in this movie, and yeah. it's really fun to watch. It's just like a God, this movie's so weird because it just—I just assumed it was like, oh yeah, like haunted slash killer wax museum thing. We like just watched one of these, right. and then it's like, oh no, but like people are like being sucked into these like wax sceneries yeah. where they're then like murdered as sacrifices to the devil, and yeah. you're like. Oh, okay. That's what we're doing here. It's like weirdly an excuse for them to make a bunch of short films yeah. that are kind of like Universal Monster movies. But like, it's not really an anthology movie. Like, it doesn't really have that yeah. feel to it necessarily. It's got a crazy cast, too. Yeah. Um, what's that kid's name from uh, Gremlins as the star? And then Dana Ashbrook from Twin Peaks is in it. He's got such terrible hair in it, too. Zach uh, Galligan? Zach Galligan, yeah. yeah. Um, but then there's uh, Deborah Foreman, who we've seen in a couple things now. She's, yeah. like, one of the people from um, April Fool's Day. Right. Uh, yeah, Dana Ashbrook, who yeah. we really like. John Rhys Davies is in there yeah, just right. to play a werewolf for, like, two <laughs> right. minutes. Um, so, yeah, really strange cast. Also... A fascinating moment of a girl uh, realizing that she's into like S and M sex after being like the like sweet virgin virgin the whole movie. I was like, I'm maybe impressed with this. (laughs) Like, what's going on? (laughs) Well, and the thing is, like, it it almost gets a little boring in the middle when it does just kind of become an anthology movie. Yes, but then it fucking swings back around into this insane finale where the entire town goes to war with the wax museum. Yeah, it's really fun. It is so crazy. And like, there's a lot of like nods to other horror movies in it too, with like their wax uh, statues and sculptures and everything, which I really liked. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun uh, on the whole. Yeah, and just bizarre. It's like it's a so really strange. strange movie. I'm glad we watched it. Yeah, um, he's then in the dr- in the drama Mr. North uh, with Robert Mitchum and Anthony Edwards. Ooh, okay, uh, that's a great cast. Yeah, 
Rogacast. Um, and then he's in the movie Hostile Takeover, which Michael with Michael Ironside, which we watched because I it well, and it was a Thanksgiving movie, so I felt like we needed to watch it because um, it is about a man played by David Warner who takes his coworkers hostage over the holiday weekend yeah. and. The twist is he has no demands. Yeah. Th- okay. This movie was actually like very interesting in a lot of ways. It's so strange. Yeah. I mean, it builds to actual insanity. Like yeah. some of the things that happen in the end of this movie, like straight up do not make sense. Yeah. In a way that was very amusing. Yeah. But like it starts as almost like a Bartleby the Scrivener kind of like dark, ironic mm. play where it's just about this guy that uh, is probably fed up with his job and his life, but yeah. actually never says that. Yeah. Just decides he's taking his coworkers hostage. And when every, when his coworkers ask, when the police ask, when eventually what the FBI gets about, like when yeah. every, I have no demands. Yeah. And, and it just, and the whole movie is about how the system is, doesn't know how to deal with that. Yeah. The system doesn't know how to, the system is trained to respond to demands. Yeah. If you don't want anything, if you then don't want like anything, they don't know how to yeah. do anything about what you're doing. Yeah. And he like, he comes off to as like maybe kind of like a lonely character. Mm-hmm. And so like maybe that goes into it. Cause like he seems to be like really sweet and like amiable with everyone, even though he's like keeping them hostage. Like when they ask, he's like, oh, we want food. And then they're like, what do you want? And he asks everyone, he's like, hey guys, like, what do you want for yeah, food? Yeah. And he's like cleaning up after after them so it's like he's weirdly polite throughout the movie yes. um this is also based uh this is an ad- adaptation of like one of those like 80s horror paperbacks okay. i'm pretty sure like grady hendrix talks about it in his book um paperbacks from hell mm-hmm. um and it, it doesn't get like great reviews from people either because i really wanted to like find out like what was the point of all of this? Yeah, yeah. But I think the point is that there's no point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is like frustrating for a person like me that like wants the answers yes. and I like can't find them anywhere. Uh, but it, it, yeah, I think it is just this like really dark, um, yeah, like pessimistic kind of view on the world. And but there's like some yeah, there's really wild stuff. There's really interesting stuff. Um, there's this strangely progressive discussion about abortion between these yeah. two women in bathroom stalls that you're like, God, I can't believe this is happening and there are no men involved. They're not talking about men. Yeah. They're just like talking about their own experiences yeah. as women with abortion. And you're like, whoa, okay. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, and but that happens in the middle of a movie that's not about that. that not at really all. Brings it back up. Yeah, like, it's so it's such a weird movie. Yeah, and and it does get like absurd towards the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it felt like a stage play to me yeah. more than anything else. Um, even in the way that it's trying to like execute some of those yes. more like philosophical ideas about things. Yeah, but I but I kind of liked it because of all of that. I agree. And Warner's great, and it's like a really different character for him. He's playing Meek. But then, you know, the the power that he brings to stuff is sort of bubbling underneath mm. all of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like he can be scary kind yeah. of, even though he is being meek in these other moments. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty impressive actually. Yeah. yeah. For like, and, you know, a like B movie. Yeah. yeah. And and you know, Michael Ironside is like a B movie heavyweight and you know, him and uh, David Warner like acting against each other is like kind of interesting to see too. Yeah, especially because Ironside is I feel like playing kind of against type in this yeah. where he is just kind of like the 
skeevy boss character. Right. He's also got this like crazy pastel sweater he's yeah. wearing in it where you're just like, what the fuck? Like this does not look like Ironside. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he just plays like kind of a jerk boss, right. uh, which like I feel like I'm used to him being more like over the top or sinister. Mm-hmm. So this was really interesting for him too. Yeah. Um, after that, he is in a horror anthology called Pulse Pounders uh, okay. with Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs, uh, okay. directed by Charles Band. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, who also directed Dr. Mordred uh, yeah. with Jeffrey Combs that we really liked. Uh-huh. Um, I would like to see this because one of the uh, shorts in it is called The Evil Clergyman, and I think you can watch just that on Tubi, but Warner is in it with Crampton and Combs, which is just like such a solid combination of human beings. Hell yeah. Uh, I mean, like Crampton and Combs in general is so good, but like adding like someone like Warner into that, I'm like, hell yeah. That's interesting that just that is on Tubi. We should check that out. Yes, I agree. Um. He then does a movie called Keys to Freedom, a drama with uh, Omar Sharif and Jane Seymour. Um, and then in 1989, he was in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. <laughs> I guess you and I, were not like, it's not like we're not Star Trek people, but yeah. I, I've only seen like maybe the first three of the original movies. I think I've seen like maybe the first one or two. Yeah. I've seen Wrath of Khan. I know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, I just, like, I didn't watch a ton of it, which is weird because my mom's really into Star Trek, mm-hmm. so I think it's weird she didn't, like, try to show us more of this mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Um, but he he does, like, I think a couple more Star Trek things, too. Yeah, um, I think I knew that, that he's, yeah. like, a little bit involved in that universe. Yeah. Um, he is then in a movie called Mortal Passions. <laughs> a scheming woman seeks to kill her husband to collect the insurance money and is willing to seduce anyone she can to do it, including her husband's brother. Okay. Into it. Uh, he then does a movie called Grave Secrets, uh, a woman tormented by ghostly apparitions and a professor of psychic phenomena investigate otherworldly disturbances and unlock the secret of malevolent forces reaching out for vengeance from beyond the grave. All right. Uh, and then Tripwire, uh, which I feel like this is a movie you would probably be interested in. It had like a really crazy poster. Um, a terrorist played by Warner and an FBI agent fight out a personal feud with one another. All right. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. I mean, that is the most basic description ever, but that is my kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, that that wraps up his career up to the 80s. Hell um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anything else you got before we uh, head off? No, I was just looking up this Tripwire movie. It does have a totally insane poster where a man seems to be being dragged by, like, a a truck. I think it's available somewhere, too. So Revenge prob- takes no prisoners. <laughs> See? Yeah, we should probably check it out. Uh, uh, oh, William Lustig wrote the story. That's the guy that uh, did Maniac Cop and a bunch of stuff. Oh, cool. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week uh, talking about Warner's roles uh, from the 90s onward. Yeah, which I'm very excited about because... Uh, There's know. some good ones in here. Yeah. he he. Uh, it was pretty fun actually watching stuff for him like as an actor and finding out that, like, yeah, the thing that I know him for is like a lot of what he does. Yeah. But he actually has like a bunch of different modes he can do that in. Yeah. You know? um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk more about like some of his later roles I in the agree. next episode. Cool. Uh, do we need to plug anything? People can find me on the internet at Philadelphia with an mm-hmm. F. Check out my letterbox. My favorite thing. Yeah. Favorite uh, place to be. I'm Tori Potenza on the things. Um, as of now, the fall movie John is available, so you can read oh, yeah. my piece on Slacks. I Hell would yeah. really love it if you did. Um, 
And, and yeah. uh, send us an email because Tori reads those emails now. I do check the email now. Yeah. Yeah, I promise. It's yes. like I have it on my phone so I can check very easily. Yes. Uh, yeah, so email us at uh, killerbeespodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's it. Yeah. Buzz, buzz. Buzz.